All right. Welcome to the Rolling Thunder Review. I'm your host, Ben Mertens, from Welcome to Loud City. Joining me on the other line, we have Rich Ivanowski from Sacktown Royalty. Rich, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Ben. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So uh, let's start here. The Thunder and the Kings play each other on Saturday night, second game back from the All-Star break. Last year, the Kings were 27-55, and one of the worst teams in the NBA. This year, they've already surpassed that. They've won 30 games. They're sitting, I believe, one game out of the playoffs, very much still in the race. Why have they been so much better this year, do you think? Well, obviously, you got to look at Darren Fox as the biggest catalyst for this change. Mm-hmm. And Buddy Heald as well, but both players are having a, a breakout season. And Fox came from a place where he was really hurting the team last year. Obviously, you got to play your, your rookie point guard, but right. he just was, you know, a pretty much pretty much a negative on the floor. I agree. And, yeah, and to, to, to even be confident would have been a big deal for this team, but he's been so much better than that. He's been uh, really a star for this team, so, so that goes a long way. Um, in addition to that, I would say that looking at their pace is a big factor here, especially early in the season when the Kings were able to steal a couple games from the Thunder. They really were pushing the ball constantly and and running the floor, and uh, I think that took the Thunder off guard, and that may have been one of, I think that was one of the first games Russ was back. The thing I noticed with pace is that the Kings think every single play is a transition play, even if the Thunder, whoever they're playing, literally scored on them, they will take it out of the basket, throw it ahead, and they're already going down the court, and I think especially at the start of the year, that caught teams off guard, and like you said, that was uh, actually both of the first two games where Russ's kind of first came back. The first time in October was Russ's first game of the year. Then he got hurt again, and by coincidence, the, the second game against the Kings was his first game back from that injury. Um, and not gotcha. that he played bad or anything, but I think the team as a whole was just like, not. and the Thunder are a fast team too. I think the Thunder and Kings are the second and third fastest teams in the league by pace, but you could just tell there were plays where the Thunder scored, were excited that they scored, even though they're a veteran team, and suddenly De'Aaron Fox is rushing past them. And even if there's a defender back to stop him from getting to the rim, some a trailer is going to end up getting an open three. I saw Heald get a lot of threes that way. Uh, Bielitsa got some threes that way, too. They're just a fast, fast team. I saw, actually, a tweet from, from you saying that they've been a little slower recently. They're now down to, like, ninth in pace or something like that. Yeah, they're. I think they're sitting at fifth, maybe, but fifth, they're huh? ninth since the since New Year's Day. Okay. So, just over that portion of the year, they are slowing down a little bit, and uh, you know, I th- I think that that could play into why uh, they they dropped the third game. Or there's obviously other reasons too, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, when the Thunder were able to win their most recent matchup. Uh, I think they were they had slowed down slowed down a little bit and you know they're getting tired even though they're young it's still it takes a toll on you throughout the season to to be going at that that fast of a pace. So do you think it's more sustainable the way they're playing now even if it's not catching teams off guard? It does it does feel that way yeah. Okay. Yeah the thing I noticed from the third game that the Thunder won was one uh, Paul George had, I think, 43 points, which outshined the fact that Heald had his career high in that game, I think 37. And the biggest thing for the Thunder is those first two games, which, again, were Russ's first two games back from injury. Russ didn't play bad, but he led the team in shots. And I think we're past the point where Russell Westbrook should lead the team in field goal attempts. And you saw a much better balance um, in that third game where Paul George 
comfortably led the team. He had like eight more attempts than Russ did. And Russ had like 17 assists or something like that. To me, that's the way the Thunder want to be playing is Russ has the ball in his hands the most but isn't the one taking the most shots. You want George taking the most shots, and then you want the role player guys like Jeremiah Grant uh, and Terrence Ferguson, Stephen Adams. Thunder fans would get mad at me for calling him a role player, but you want those guys to get a healthy number of shots as well, and Russ to be in more of that playmaker role. Um, and so I think that's what you'll try to see the Thunder do in this game. Let's talk about the one player who the Kings now have who was not there for those three games, Harrison Barnes, who they just acquired at the trade deadline. What did you think of that trade? The Kings sent out Justin Jackson and Iman Shumpert over to uh, Dallas and got back Harrison Barnes, which took up a big chunk of their cap space that they had open. Well, it's interesting for this matchup in particular because I think that Shumpert played a pretty big role he in is, his first two wins. He is a Thunder killer. He plays like Michael Jordan against the Thunder and like Amon Shumpert against the other 28 teams in the league. Yeah, it's crazy. I, you know, I mean, he's a he's a good defender. Um, you know, generally all the time, he's he's a pretty solid defender. But he was just he was just really putting in work against the Thunder and and then that third game. Uh, where Paul George had the 43 points, he didn't play at all that game. So, That's right. You know, that could be a little concerning uh, for the for the Kings side of things. But, you know, for the trade in general, as a Kings fan, I think that, uh, you know, a- any Kings fan should be really thrilled about it because even though Shumpert was uh, a defensive presence, he didn't do much on offense, and he was really uh, trending down. But at the point that he was traded, even even defensively, he just part you know part of it is his injury history and, and wearing down <clears throat> excuse me and wearing down and uh, as the season goes along. But he just his shots were not falling whatsoever. So it was funny, Barnes, yeah. After the the first two Kings games against the Thunder, where Shumpert was shooting you know like six for eight from three in those games, I look at like is he going nuts this year? And I looked at the rest of their stats and like. No, it, okay, it's just against OKC. Otherwise, he's been, you know, regular Amon Shumpert, like a 33% shooter. Um, so, yeah, giving him a... No, no, go ahead. Do you have any... Is there any reasoning for that? Is it? I, I, I was trying to theorize about it, and I, I think some of it might be that he's such an agitator, and he, he kind of gets up when things get a little bit chippy. Do you yeah. think there's some bad blood? or I've never heard anything about bad blood specifically. I don't think the Thunder had any beef with him when he was a Nick or a Cavalier or a King or anything. But um, he was getting open looks, and I think at the start of those games, the Thunder were content to give him open looks because they were like, let's stop Fox, let's stop Peeled, and if Shumpert beats us, Shumpert beats us. And then he did beat them, so they keyed up on him a little better in the second game, I believe it was, where he saw a lot of points, but in the second half they were shutting him down. But if you have to expend efforts shutting down him on Shumpert then you're leaving looks for other players. So, But no, to me, it looked like he was getting decent open looks, but even on open looks, he's not like a Clay Thompson, a Steph Curry, or a Buddy Heald. He's a pretty average three-point shooter, and just they were falling, and if a guy gets hot, they're going to keep falling. Um, so I think the Thunder are quite happy that he's not there anymore. He's on the Rockets. He wound up on the Rockets now, and when they played the Rockets a couple weeks ago, he didn't do anything. So the magic is gone. It was something about being in Sacramento, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, because Shumpert will, you know, on any given night, he can just go off, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to predict what nights those will be, whereas Barnes is a guy who's going to be pretty consistent. Uh, that's that's going to be a big deal for the Kings the rest of the way and, and hopefully in the future as well. What about uh, losing Justin Jackson? Thoughts about that? Um, I 
have no real thoughts about that. To be honest <laughs> with you. I, I'm kind of just doing the. Uh, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. That is the impression I got from a lot of Kings fans reading about it, too, is that they were not going to say anything bad on the way out, but not super sorry to see him gone. You guys seem excited about Barnes. And, yeah, I think Barnes, he was definitely miscast in Dallas, especially the first year he was there, where they gave him – that was the big 2016 cap spike. They had a lot of money. They gave it to Barnes, who had been on a Golden State team, was a champion, and were like, be the guy – and Harrison Barnes is not the guy. He's not a great passer. He's not going to be a leading scorer on a team, and he's a good but not a great defender. But he is a good three-point shooter. Uh, I think he's like 38% for his career. And when he was playing in Golden State with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, he got a fair number of open looks. And I think playing with Fox and Heald, he might get those same kind of looks. He's a pretty good shooter from the corner, playing off the ball. So slotting into maybe being the third option or if, you know, Bagley takes Lee forward, even the fourth option offense, I think will be good for his game. I think you want his usage rate to be like 15%, not the 25-ish percent it was in Dallas. So I think he's a good fit for the Kings. Um, I'm interested in this matchup because heald has been such a problem. The Thunder in the third game were slotting uh, Paul George on Buddy Heald because with Justin Jackson, who's not particularly big, starting at the three, they could stick Terrence Ferguson on him. I do not think they want to stick Terrence Ferguson on Harrison Barnes because he is uh, somewhat of a post-up threat. And Ferguson is a good defender, but he's not that big. He's only 20 years old. So I think that leaves you putting George on Barnes, which means Ferguson has to defend Heald. And Ferguson is a good defender. He's not quite, like Paul George, just you cannot lose Paul George on a screen. And he's so long that if you get a little bit of space, he can still buy your shot from behind. Ferguson's not quite as long. He's good at getting over screens, but not as great. And I wonder uh, if Heald has another big night tonight, especially with Ferguson being the primary defender, not George. Yeah, that's definitely the theory behind uh, the Barnes acquisition is, is now you need two perimeter defenders, two wing defenders. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know that the Thunder have that. Though uh, they can, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them figure it out. And, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to predict this game, I do feel like the Thunder will still probably have the edge here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, are you are you seeing this as a, as a W for you guys? I think the Thunder would have to be the favorites. I mean, both teams need this game for different reasons. The Kings need every game going forward to try to sneak into the 8 or the 7 seed. The Thunder are right there with the Nuggets for being the 2 seed. And they especially between the Thunder and the Nuggets, neither of them wants to fall down to be in the four seed because that means Golden State in the second round. And I think everybody's uh, goal in this play, upcoming playoffs is to stay away from Golden State as far as possible. But the Thunder have been really hot lately. Um, Paul George went from being an all-star to being probably, I'd say, third currently in the MVP conversation, but a legitimate MVP candidate over the last month. He had his most recent game against the Pelicans right for the all-star break, had the kind of you know, last day of school before Christmas break kind of feel to it. Not a great game. But other than that, he's been insane. He's definitely going to be the best player on the court. Um, And it just comes down to if the Thunder can defend the Kings well enough to avoid a shootout because the Kings do a very good offense and the Thunder have struggled to defend them all year. And during this, this hot streak, the Thunder have been, their offense has been way better and their defense, which was elite for the first two months of the season, has kind of gone down to being average. And if it's a shootout, the Kings are a fast young team. They're going to hang around. You would like to see the Thunder put them away early. So I think I think the Thunder are the favorites because I don't see the Kings ending this game in like the second or third quarter. I think the Thunder could, or maybe it goes down to a last-minute type game, and then it's a 50-50 chance. But I think the Thunder are the favorites. But the Kings are, again, 
a really good team. The Thunder can't afford to take them lightly. Um, and I think defending healed is going to be a huge part of that. And I think the transition game is going to be a huge part of that. Um, these are two teams that really, really like to play fast. And the Kings aren't a bad half-court team, but you definitely would rather slow them down and force them to play half-court than force them, than allow them to get out in transition. Um, what, what do you see as any, any other keys to this game tonight, or Saturday night, rather? This will probably go up Friday right, well, morning. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely agree. They're getting, you know, the Kings are getting better in the half-court, but they, they aren't uh, significant. You know, they're, they're not really above that. It's not their strength, you know what I mean? Right. They definitely want to run. Um, and as they've been slowing down, that, you know, that aspect of it is going to be diminished a little bit. And I also think, you know, coming out of the break, that it may not be as effective to run since everybody is going to be pretty well rested, uh, haven't had the week off. Um, other than that, you know, I it's I think a lot of it's going to come down to, you know, the role players for the Thunder and, and how they step up. If you're going to, you know, if you're terrorist, uh, excuse me, you're Terrence Ferguson's and uh, even I know Noel has given Willie Collie Stein some fits yep. in the past. So, you know, I, I think those matchups, if those play out uh, for the advantage for the Thunder, I think the Kings will, will probably be in trouble. Yeah, Ferguson, it's interesting. So the first three games of this uh, this series, October, November, December, Terrence Ferguson shot 29% from three uh, through January 1st of this year. Since the new year, he shot like 45%. I think a key for the rest of the regular season, for this game in particular, for the playoffs and what the Thunder hope to do there is which version of those is closer to the real Terrence Ferguson. Is it the guy who you know, was a better shooter than Andre Roberson, but not by that much the first part of the year? Or is this guy who suddenly, like, if you give him an open three, he's going to knock it down? That's huge for the Thunder because, like, teams are going to shy off of Terrence Ferguson and Jeremiah Grant to, you know, pack the lane against George and Westbrook until those guys can burn them. Um, And it really comes down if those guys can hit those open shots or not, which was kind of the Thunder's doom uh, last year in the playoffs against the Jazz was they weren't really playing Ferguson then. Grant was not a good three-point shooter then. Um, they are starting Corey Brewer at the shooting guard, and when those guys were left open by the Jazz, they couldn't make shots. So then it turned into Westbrook taking a lot of those pull-up shots that he can make, but he can't make enough of them to win a playoff series. And another thing, actually speaking of that Jazz series, that I think could factor in tonight is uh, rebounding. The Thunder are like famous for being a good offensive rebounding team because of Steven Adams, um, and he has no problem going against Willie Cauley-Stein. But when teams throw kind of two more traditional big men at the Thunder, like the Jazz did with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, Jeremiah Grant can struggle to keep up on the glass. And so I'm interested to see how Marvin Bagley does in this game. He had two great offensive rebounding games, the first two games of the series, which the Kings won both of. Um, and then the third game in December, he was out with a pretty extended uh, injury. He's back in the lineup now. What have you What have you thought about him since coming back from that injury? Oh, I've, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Marvin Bagley. I know sure. at this st- everyone when he first got drafted, it was just why don't they take Luka Doncic? Why don't they take Luka Doncic? Which Luka's really good, but I think Marvin people just kind of ignored Marvin Bagley because he's not Luka and Trey. And he's had since coming back from the injury, I've liked what I've seen. Um, and it sounds like you do as well. What what specifically has he been doing right? Well, you mentioned the offensive boards. You know, he is a force there. Uh, we're a little bit, you know, I want to see on the defensive side too. He's he's not been a great defensive rebounder, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, he's just he is just such a vertical threat, and especially on his second jump. Oh my gosh! Uh, there's some 
compilation videos out there that will just make you lose your mind because he's he's getting higher on his second jump than his first jump. It's which, literally like, the, is there a, is there a <laughs> trampoline on the spot of the court he's landing on? Because he goes down and he goes right back up and the other guys just can't go up as fast and suddenly he has the ball on a play that you didn't think he had a chance to get the ball on. That's exactly right. Uh, and so, I mean, that stuff jumps off the screen, uh, obviously, but also been really impressed with his defense. We, you know, coming out of the draft, it was kind of assumed that he wasn't going to be any good on defense, and I didn't hear many people projecting him to be a plus defender, but he really has been a lot of the time. Uh, he's, I think he, yeah, I, I had to double check that this is still accurate. Uh, yeah, it is. He's still, he's leading the team in blocks per game, and he's <laughs> seventh in minutes. So, you know, and that part of that's because Willie isn't a shot blocker, and we just don't really have any shot blockers, but he is, he can go up and swat the ball a lot, and he's got a, a great feel for shot blocking. Um, you know, he's more of a turnover creator than a great on-ball defender, but mm-hmm. that's been the biggest, most pleasant surprise. All right, we will take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Rich to talk more Kings. All right, welcome back. So we've been talking about this Kings-Thunder matchup. We were just talking about Marvin Bagley, so I'm going to divert a little bit from this matchup specifically to talk a big-picture Kings fans. What do you see as the picture of kind of the front court in Sacramento? You've got um, Bagley playing quite well. You've got Harry Giles doing better than I think a lot of people excited coming for the injury. And Willie Cauley-Stein about to hit free agency. So what do you think? I guess it starts with Cauley-Stein. Should the Kings pay him this summer, or are you confident in this Giles-Bagley kind of front court of the future? I am extremely confident in the uh, in the Marvin Bagley aspect of it, in, okay. the, in, his, in his future. And I think part of – I can't really talk about Willie without talking about Bagley in his natural position in my mind, which is center. Mm-hmm. So – you know, I mean, there are people out there that still are convinced Bagley can be an effective power forward, and he probably could be to some degree, but it wouldn't maximize him. Right. So Not the way the league is shifting. For me, I want to see him. Yeah. The, the way the league is and the way that what you want out of a center, what you want out of a four, I really feel like he's going to end up uh, as a center, especially as he gets bigger, you know, and stronger and puts on weight. Uh, he's still such a young guy that he's going to naturally. Uh, his frame's going to bulk up. You know, he's not going to probably ever be a Stephen Adams type guy, but, <laughs> but he'll get bigger and uh, he'll get center sized. And with his shot blocking, like I just mentioned, and his occasional uh, ability to stroke a three, you know, every now and then, he's not bad at it. Yep, he can he can he can drain those. So that's that's a to me that's a pretty good looking center. Uh, he can get you know do all the really what it comes down to is he can do everything that Willie Cauley Stein does already. Uh-huh. In my mind, and he's three years and younger. So, yeah, so I guess I mean where where I'm going with this is that I personally am not interested in bringing back Willie for any sort of uh, price prohibitive cost. You know, I mean, I'm fine with bringing him back if he wants to come back on a on a cheap deal, but he's not know, the future. I, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. He's not the future, and I think that he well, he's actually talked about. How, how bad he wants to get paid and how that's been a focus of his. So, uh, you know, I, I don't see it. I certainly wouldn't see anything near, like, the $10 million a year mark. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it doesn't come from Sacramento, who is going to give him that money? Um, because center the center position is changing, and I think, to your point, Bagley is more representative of where the position is going. You know, he can 
he's a little more uh, mobile and faster than Giles is. He's good on the glass on both ends, or excuse me, than Giles, than Cauley Stein is. He can shoot the three ball a little bit, which, you know, a big guy like that, you want him closer to the glass most of the time because he's a rebounding threat, but against a team like the Thunder or the Jazz or through Diego Barrett, it's nice to have a center who can pull that big rim protector out of the paint even just a couple times, and Cauley Stein just has no ability to do that. And Bagley's on this, he's closer in age to Fox and Heald, and that's a pretty nice trio uh, going forward. I saw you actually had an article today saying you think the Kings now are going in the same direction that, uh, that Golden State did. Um, and obviously it's nice that you have Harrison Barnes, who's literally on that Golden State team. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that, about where you see kind of the, where are the Kings going to be in next year, two years, three years with this, uh, this young core? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought about uh, plugging this myself when we talked about Harrison Barnes, but uh, didn't want to do that. So appreciate you <laughs> not a problem. Giving me the shout out. Everybody, go read it. It was a good piece. SacktownRoyalty.com. Yes, sir. Um, so you know, I don't. I, I would recommend that you read the piece because it is kind of it, it's kind it's pretty wordy, and I don't want to be confused as saying that the Kings are going to be as successful as the Warriors. But I, as I grew up in the Bay area and I watched a lot of the Warriors, especially mm-hmm. as they turned the corner into being who they are now. And a lot of this, a lot of similar pieces are there. And the roadmap is pretty much the same, just as far as having a couple of guards that are young and are doing, doing the deal. And they're doing it at an extremely high level. They can shoot, uh, they can run and they, they're really exciting to watch. And now you've got, hopefully a, a small forward in Barnes that can be that tertiary piece that isn't going to, you know, like you said, is going to hopefully be more of a 15% usage guy, but do a little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, where the comparison really falls apart is in the front court. Um, you know, hopefully Bagley will be something great. We definitely don't have anyone that is going to defend like Barnes, or, excuse me, like uh, Draymond Green. Right. But, uh, but yeah, we, you know, everyone is really cost-controlled right now. Bagley, obviously, in the first year of his rookie deal. We got Buddy's got one more year left, cost-controlled. Fox has two more years left, cost-controlled. Uh, Bogdan is, uh, he wasn't on a rookie-scale deal, but he was on his first deal, so it was a, a flat or near-flat $8 million to $9 million deal. So we got a lot of guys for really cheap, and we have a ton of flexibility with our cap, which is what the Warriors had. They had the young guys. They had the promise. And they had the, the cap flexibility to, to do what they needed to do and to bring everybody back, really pay everybody when they needed to get paid. So it's all there for the Kings, in my opinion. And the Warriors had the flexibility to pay everybody, but partly, as you mentioned the piece, because Steph Curry was on such a cheap extension because of his ankle injuries, they then had enough room between the cap spike to end up bringing in Kevin Durant and starting this dynasty that has sucked all the drama out of the league over the last three years. Yeah. So it's probably not going to be Kevin Durant ending up in Sacramento, but what kind of free agent out there, if the Kings do have that low of cap space, do you think is like the right kind of player to fit in next to Fox, Heald, and Bagley as it goes from the Kings being, oh, nice, exciting playoff story to in a few years being the team that's hoping to contend for a title? Who do you see? It? Not necessarily who, but what kind of mold of player do you think needs to, to be on the roster to really take them there? Well, you know, I think that depending on – so. I had mentioned how I want Bagley to be uh, a center or I right. expect him to be a center in the next few years. I think eventually down the line, you want to get yourself uh, a four that can shoot and spread the, you know, spread the floor and run 
uh, and do some of those things that uh, big men need to do. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, hopefully Harry Giles can be that to some degree, but the more the merrier. And if there's a, a player type that this team has needed for a while, it's a, it's a stretch for an effective stretch for. I think one of the things Barnes gives you too, is he, he played the four a lot in, um, in Dallas, whereas he played the three in Golden State and he's playing the three in Sacramento now. If it gets to the spot where the Kings are presented with some really good small forward who they can sign and said, you could probably slot Barnes down to the four for a big chunk of minutes. So there's there's flexibility in what you're going after. You're not limited in one position, which is a nice thing to have, uh, especially with how, I, with how good this team is. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, go ahead, go I ahead. Just just got enthusiastic because I, I completely agree, and that's you know what I want, what I like the most about this team is when they – the potential to have a five-man lineup with uh, Fox, Buddy, Bogdanovich, Barnes, and Bagley. That, that's the five. I, wanted, I can't wait to see those five on the floor together and hopefully see them uh, on the floor together next year and the year after as they, as they get a little bit more mature and a little better as a group. But that would require us actually playing Bogdan at the small forward position, which he you know, hasn't really done yet. Why do you um, think the hesitancy is from Dave Yeager to play to play Bogdan at that slot? Because to me, that's always when they were starting. You know, Justin Jackson and Amon Shumpert there. I always thought Bogdan was the most natural fit on a roster that didn't really have a natural small forward. He seemed the closest approximation to me. To give them some credit, or to give Yeager his due, uh, he does play him in closing lineups at times, which okay. is you know in a lot of ways more important than than starting lineups. Agreed. But, uh, yeah. But uh, I, I want to see it more often, and I guess the hesitancy is just kind of a size thing, you know? It, yeah. It, it seems dumb because it's like, okay, well, what is one inch or, or you know, two inches of wingspan or uh, 10 pounds really going to do? But it happens. I mean, just, just seeing Barnes out there playing small forward. He looks like a just, small forward. He looks like a small forward, and you just feel so much more confident Uh it just it was like a huge I, I was I went to that game because I just felt like I got to see Barnes in his first game with the Kings and he, I just just the visual of having this 68 dude at small forward was just like I felt like the muscles in my shoulders relaxed I was like <laughs> oh thank god we we have a small forward He's going to look the part yeah it was one year that game in December where Shumper was out and Justin Jackson is starting at the 3 and tasked with guarding Paul George you're kind of like okay come on like good luck buddy um, and Barnes, again, Barnes isn't like an all-defensive team level player, but he's the right size and length for the position. I think he will have a better chance of bothering George than Jackson or Shumpert did, um, which is important. Defense is half the game, and stuff like length and size does still matter even in this kind of small ball league. Okay, so we're pretty close to done here, but I wanted to ask you one final question. Like we said at the top, the Kings are currently ninth in the Western Conference. They are one game, one game behind the Clippers for eighth, two games behind the Spurs for seventh, three games behind the, or two games behind the Jazz for sixth. They're right in the mix with uh, those three teams and the Lakers. So of the current team, top four teams in the West, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Thunder, and the Blazers. Let's say the Kings get up to the seventh seed and get into the playoffs. Which of those teams do you most want to face and least want to face in that first-round matchup, the first time Sacramento's back in the playoffs in over a decade? This is going to sound ridiculous, but the team that I would most want to face is the Golden State Warriors. I love it. I love it. Why? How come? How come? (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, we got a real rivalry. You know, I I know it's kind of... uh, 
it's probably a local thing, and, and the Warriors aren't thinking about us as much as we're thinking about them. And, you know, certainly the nation at large isn't thinking, oh, man, Sacramento's so fired up in this intense rivalry with the Warriors. But, you know, it's a, we live within 100 miles of each other, and there's a lot of... A lot of mixed feelings, a lot of, I mean, you know, maybe bad blood is putting it too strongly, but we just get, it gets, we get fired up. This team would be completely fired up about that series. The fans would be completely fired up about that series. And I think that if we're going into a playoff matchup, we want to be the David to their Goliath. And that, that role would feel really appropriate for the Kings, and I think that they, you know, I'm not saying that they would win, because I, I don't think that they would, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they took a couple of games. Uh, a, a, one game is, I feel like, I'd put that in the bag. I mean, That's this, right. They're, we're not going to get swept, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, this, this, Kings team, this Kings team is just too feisty to get swept by their neighbors like that. Um, so I think they could make it into a series, and that would just be huge for, for the fan base. I think... Uh, Firstly, Sorry, you, the Kings have always played Golden State well during this run, both uh, when DeMarcus Cousins was there and with this new team. You guys have played them relatively close uh, all the games this year, I think, correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And and going back a few seasons as well, even when we're really not supposed to play them well, it <laughs> seems to happen. Yeah, and secondly, like, for a team this young, when you your first playoff series in a long time with this very young core – the biggest thing is going to be getting playoff experience. I don't think there could be any better sort of baptism by fire than playing the Golden State Warriors. So even if it's a five-game series, like you said, it's going to be a really valuable experience for this team as they try to gear up to make a lot more playoff runs in the future. Uh, and then who did you have as the team you would least like to face as the Sacramento Kings in the playoffs? I chose the Thunder. Interesting. I did, yeah, and it's... It is interesting, especially considering that the Kings actually won a few games from you guys earlier on. But uh, I just think that a really good defense can swallow up this team at times. Mm-hmm. It, even if it hasn't happened, uh, didn't happen the first two matchups, it did in the third. That's right. And I just, yeah, especially with the trajectory that Paul George is on, I'm not trying to see him at all in the playoffs, really. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I just think that the one thing that could really frustrate this team and could and could deflate them and you know take the fans out of it and take the uh, take their their mindset out of it would be uh, just an incredible defense. And I think that's what you guys have got over there in Oklahoma City. I think those are the two factors that have every team except the Warriors thinking that they don't want to face the Thunder would be Paul George and how good that defense is. I think from the Thunder side, they'd be happy to face the Kings. I think the team they most want, there's two teams they'd like to avoid. They'd like to avoid the Jazz. That was a tough matchup last year. I'm sure the Thunder do want payback for that series, but that is a tough matchup because of the size the Jazz have because Rudy Gobert can kind of take Steven Adams out of things, and he's a great rim protector, which hurts Russ. Um, the Thunder spacing is better this year. That could make a difference, but I think I would rather play someone else. And, of course, I know the Lakers have not been this great this year. I really don't want to play LeBron James in the first round of the playoffs. Give me give me somebody else in the first round of the playoffs. I'll take him later on, but just sure. don't want to play LeBron. But we'll see what happens in this game on Saturday, and we'll see what happens the rest of the season. Rich, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. All right.